When you're hiring, it feels amazing to finally close out a job search. But what if you could get rid of the search and just match? You can with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites according to a recent Indeed survey. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Welcome to Bear in Mind, the official podcast of Cal Athletics. Here's your host, Todd McKim. Hi, everybody. Welcome to another edition of Bear in Mind, the official podcast of Cal Athletics. Uh, we'll talk about the game coming up with Arizona on Saturday, game time 2.30, a little after 2.30, with the Toyota uh, pregame show and a Bud Light tailgate show all wrapped into one, beginning at 1.30 in the afternoon. Uh, also, we just got word yesterday that the game against Washington State, same time, same station, all that stuff. 1.30 tailgate show, 2.30 kickoff from Pullman. A little bit later on, we'll hear from Brian Jeffries, the play-by-play announcer of the Wildcats of Arizona, get his thoughts about his team this year, and also hear from Jack Plummer, Cal's quarterback, as the Bears are back home for homecoming game this week. But first, head coach Justin Wilcox, as we uh, recap Notre Dame and look ahead to the Arizona Wildcats. First of all, um, when you went into that environment Saturday uh, as a coach, but also just as as a guy that loves college football, did you have any chance to take in and soak in at all the environment at Notre Dame? Um, yeah, I try to, Todd. I mean, maybe 30 seconds or so when you first get there and walk into the stadium, and then it's just all about the game. You know, what are we, you know, what are we doing that can help us win the game? Um, but uh, I wish I could say I, I do a better job of appreciating things like that. I mean, I, I certainly appreciate the opportunity to go and coach and, play in a stadium like that. Um, but from a nostalgia standpoint, probably did not do a, a good job. Okay. Well, you'll have to rely on your brother to tell you about the experience in that regard. Yeah. Who's on the sidelines for the game along with Mark Fox, Jason Kidd was there. Good turn. tremendous turnout of Cal fans as well. So 
it, it was a wonderful experience as far as a game day environment is concerned. Uh, let's talk about the game after you looked at the tape. What uh, were your, your thoughts about uh, how it went and how it turned out? Um, we uh, missed a great opportunity. Um, really tough to learn learn lessons like that. We learned a lot, <clears throat> but we had a great opportunity to go out there and get a win, and we fell short. Um, I thought our team competed very hard. I thought they handled the environment really well. Um, we had 10 explosive plays on offense versus their three. I thought the defense got off the field on third downs, held them to under 300. At the end of the day, though, we needed one more stop on defense. Um, you know, especially at the beginning of the second half, we got to get off the field. And we had two critical penalties, um, one on that drive and one early in the game um, that they scored on both those drives. Um, so that's where we and that's where we got to get better defensively, get the stop or finding one more turnover. And then offensively, you know, we did have the 10 explosive plays. We had way too many zero and negative plays uh, and and I think the big picture on offense, we have to block better. Our team has to block better. Uh, O-line, tight ends, running backs, receivers, everybody's got to block better. Um, so we have a chance to, to create more positive plays. Um, you know, at the end, we, we had an opportunity with, you know, the last play of the game to, to tie it and, and then go for the, go for the win. Uh, but we didn't get it done. And uh, we need to, coaches and players have to, have to be better. That's, those are the lessons we learned. Yeah, you mentioned a couple of things in that answer that I'd like to um, springboard off a little bit. First of all, uh, there were a couple of penalties that you mentioned, one of which was a, a bogus offsides called against the Bears on a field goal attempt. And I, I will use the word egregious, I think is the best way to describe it, having looked at the replay. Unfathomable, maybe another one to use. Uh, what the, I mean, can you, can you tell us what they told you? Are you able to say anything about that? Yeah, I, I mean, I don't really have a response to it. I've never seen that before. I was told that number 15, Lou Hearns, uh, was offside. Um, was he lined up on offsides, they claim? No, no. They said it was uh, that he was offside, that he just had jumped early because he didn't. That's what he told me on the sideline. Um, hmm. They told me the same thing at half. And uh, I have reached out to try and get some clarity. I've really heard nothing. and. Uh, yeah, so I don't have a, I don't have a response to it. Uh, I've never seen it. Um, we had chances to win the game regardless. And we all would like to think as a program, we don't need perfect circumstances in order to win. Uh, they weren't perfect. We still had chances to win. So we have to control that. But, in you know, I do not, I just don't have any thing to say and I haven't got any feedback, uh, I guess back. I don't know. I don't know what an acceptable answer would be there. The penalties I'm more concerned with are the spinning the ball after a touchdown and the targeting penalty. And both of those hurt us as well. Uh, it's just really unfortunate that the field goal penalty was even a thing. Uh, you mentioned the targeting. Blake Anzalatis uh, called for the targeting on a third down play. Uh, so uh, the rule is, is he's got to miss, you know, depending on what half it occurred, either has to miss the first half of the next game or me misses all of all of the next game. There's also an appeal process. Tell us what happens because some of these are bang, bang, and they get reviewed uh, by conferences. Tell, tell us what the process is in Blake's case, as far as any possible review uh, that might keep him out of a game. Yeah, that's already happened. He, he'll be out the first half. First half. Okay. But every, every targeting does get reviewed by somebody 
they give you an opportunity. Uh, if, if it happens in the second half of a game, you can okay. you have the opportunity to appeal it to see if uh, you can get them back. Okay. So essentially every second half uh, targeting penalty gets reviewed. You, it's, it's one of those things you might as well. And so. Okay. Yeah. All right. So that, that does that uh, and clears that up a little bit for us. Um, you also offensively, I noticed you were talking about blocking, but you've you got a, a lot more play this week from one of your true freshmen, Siwap Vatakani, big number 71. And it appears that he can move the pile a little bit from what we saw on the field. Give yeah. us your take on him and, and what you expect out of him going forward. I thought, you know, to go in there and in that environment and play like he did, I thought he did a good job. Um, I think he is is green as grass and he's going to continue to get better and better, but boy, is he strong and he's got size and he's very smart. Um, so I'm really looking forward to him getting more opportunities and he had a great kick out block, uh, on DeCarlos's long run and, uh, thought he had some good reps in there. So I'm, I'm proud of him. And now we just got to keep helping him develop because he's such a young guy and, and it's, uh, learning a lot at a, Pretty rapid pace. Uh, offensively, in particular, maybe even more so than defense, but but offensively is a coordinated effort. I mean, you can't run it without blocking. You can't uh, you know pass it without blocking, catching it, throwing it correctly. What did you see in the in the pass game from Jack? We're going to have Jack and get his thoughts on a little bit later in the podcast. But what did you see in the passing game? Well, he had a couple opportunities, especially early, uh, to make a, a couple more throws that I really just believe Jack. I know we can make. I see it every day uh, that we're out of character for him. And then he threw some really good balls. I mean, he threw some under duress at times and threw some really good ones. He had a great big box fade to Jeremiah. Then he had the, the touchdown throw on the on the move to, to J. Michael. Um, and then I thought he did a great job competing and getting us some huge scrambles. He had three explosive plays scrambling. And Jack is, you know, I think people think he's just a passer. He's a better athlete than people give him credit for. And he showed you he can run. And so I was proud of how he competed. I still think that uh, he, he can make some of those throws. Uh, but it's, again, a coordinated effort, as you mentioned, Todd. We have to, we have to protect better and we have to block better uh, in order to give he and all the – so everybody else can do their jobs. And, and, uh, and that's – you know, I think, again, the big picture, whether it's run or pass, we just have to perform better in blocking. Arizona Wildcats in town Saturday. Cats come in with a record of two and one. Big win on opening day against San Diego State on the road, the team that, that waxed them pretty good a year ago. Then they lost at home to Southern uh, – or, excuse me, Mississippi State. Mike Leach returning to the Pac-12 conference there. And then they got a big win over a really good football program last week. North Dakota State, they've won the FCS championship nine in the last 11 years. And, you know, I guess as indicative of, of what Arizona thinks they're doing and where they're going is they trailed in that game, much of the game, and they came up with a big fourth and two stop, you know, for South Dakota State. But the Bison get that one, they probably win the game, but they get the stop and then they go down and score, touchdown to win. So they're coming in with a lot of momentum and a lot of confidence. What have you seen on tape from Arizona? Yeah, just that. Um, I think – you know, they found a way to win against a good team. Uh, they put up 38 uh, against San Diego State. Uh, offensively, they got some dynamic wideouts, uh, veteran O-line. The QB just makes things happen, man. I mean, he, uh, you know, you got to defend the play call, and then you got to defend 
the unscheduled play potentially with, with him. He is a very good athlete and he's kind of like a guy that, you know, if he was playing basketball, you go down to the park, man, and he is just making people look silly, you know, and it's kind of the way he plays. And so, uh, it'd be a great challenge for the defense, uh, facing them. And then their defense, you know, primarily kind of a four down team, their secondary is all returning. Uh, they do have some kind of different packages they use with the big guys, but, uh, they play hard. They get to the ball. They got a really good, uh, edge rusher. They got a good interior player. Um, so they're, they're playing confident and they play with a lot of energy and, uh, we know we'll need to play good football in order to win. They get a scrambling quarterback like that. I mean, you had one last year with chase, So the opposing defenses had to do some different things and had to play defense on extended plays well, what are what are some of the things that you can do with a guy that runs around? It's like, you know, from my heyday, it's Fran Tarkington guy. Now it's Patrick Mahomes, guys like that in the National Football League. It seems to be the trend nowadays for for a lot of teams to have this quarterback that can he's got to be accurate. He's got to be able to throw it, first of all. But then after two and a half seconds, away he goes. Yeah. And he's uh, he's got a live arm. He can really spin the ball. Uh, he's not just like he's a running back back there. He can spin the ball. He's got a live arm and he is difficult to get on the ground. So even when people get close to him, I mean, there's a couple of times where, I mean, if you just pause the tape, you say, well, there's no way he's getting out of that. And then he spins out of it. He ducks out of it. And then he peels back and he launches one down the field. I mean, it's just, uh, we saw him a year ago and he is just a, he's got a different element playing that position because he's very hard. As you mentioned, you get the scheduled play. And then you got the unscheduled, the extended play. And so plastering in the back end, uh, keeping vision on him. You know, always say we got to keep a spy or a leverage on him. Well, that's fine. But, you know, he can run. Like he's a really good athlete and you, and you still have to play run defense and pass defense. So uh, it's a different set of, uh, you know, issues that a, a person like that brings. Yeah, he's a, he's a tough guy to get out. He was a Pac-12 offensive freshman of the year last year. Had a really good year at Washington State. Then went into the portal with their coaching change and, um, he's, he's a thorn in the side for everybody. And, um, he can make some mistakes. We've seen that. I mean, he's a, he's a wild card. I mean, you just don't know what you're going to get from him. And so hopefully you're going to get enough pressure on him, get him on the ground, make him force some balls and, and get some turnovers in this game. I know you spend so much time each and every week concentrating on your team and your upcoming opponent, but do you have any gauge as we enter conference play of what this uh, league is going to be like this year? You know, not really, Todd. You probably have a much better gauge than I would. Um, I kind of check the scores uh, on Sunday, but other than that, I don't really watch much. And so sometimes, you know, the scores can tell you some of the uh, picture or most of it or all of it, but sometimes, you know, they don't. And so really it's the video that we rely on to give us the the truth uh, about who we're playing and what's happening and uh I know there's some good teams and good players out there. And uh, we're just, again, as you just said, we're just focused on Arizona this week. That's it. Maybe that's a question we should ask you in four or five weeks when you've seen more of these Pac-12 teams on tape as you get ready for the upcoming opponent. Fair answer to that question. We appreciate that. Uh, good luck uh, this week against the Wildcats. Um, you know, last year was a tough one down there, the COVID game. And so it's an opportunity for the Bears to, to get back uh, on the winning ledger, not only against uh, Arizona, but just the season in general. The first conference game is just always so important. It just seems to set the, the tenor 
for the rest of the season. So good luck this week, and we'll talk to you just prior to the game. Thanks, Todd. Go Bears. All right. Head coach Justin Wilcox, the Bears against the Arizona Wildcats. The tailgate show begins at 1.30 and the kickoff shortly after 2.30 from Memorial Stadium. Joining us now is quarterback Jack Plummer from Gilbert, Arizona. A number of players on the Cal roster from Arizona, of course, for the Wildcats coming in town. It's a it's a, a game that takes on additional significance for those players, Jack being one of those, and maybe even more so for him because his brother, Will, is a quarterback for the Wildcats, played in the game a year ago at Tucson. So I guess the first question, Jack, is uh, any bantering back and forth between uh, you and your brother this week? Uh, Yeah, a little bit. You know, just called and we're talking about, you know, we're, we weren't giving each other any secrets about the team, just kind of talking, you know, about how, how our seasons are going, kind of what's happening. And, you know, we both want to go in there and, and win the game. So it's going to be a cool experience to play against them. I mean, it might be the one and only time where bragging rights will be on the line between you two. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. You know, in high school, we're on the same team. So now, right. yeah, now we're going against each other. And in high school, you actually threw the ball to him before he you know, totally became a quarterback? Yeah, so he he was a, the freshman quarterback. I'm two years older than him. And then uh, my senior year, his sophomore year, I, you know, I was still the quarterback there. And, you know, he decided he didn't want to play JV football. so he, you know, he wanted to make an impact on varsity, and he played tight end and linebacker. Did a really good job. We were talking uh, in camp. I think it was after the second scrimmage. Uh, you, myself, and Mike Pulowski were talking about him. And you you were saying that your brother, Will, is about as tough a football player as you've been around. I mean, evident as to what happened last year in our game. I mean, he had to have stitches, eventually had shoulder surgery, Um so, so you, both of you guys have shown that toughness that uh, people don't necessarily equate to quarterbacks. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I'll say it. You know, I've said this before. I'll say it again. That's the toughest kid I know. Just the stuff that he's been able to play through injury-wise. And going back to high school, he played four games with a torn tricep. He played tight end. Oh. Yeah, but could, couldn't barely lift his arm above over his head. Oh, my gosh. Played four games before he ended up getting surgery on that. And then – Last year, you know, in the Cal game, he got beat up pretty good with the the stitches in his hand and then shoulder, which he eventually had to get surgery on and ended up finishing the year with, uh, you know, playing on a short, his throwing shoulder where you got to get operated on. So, I mean, he's a tough kid. Yeah. You know, probably credit to him. Me and my older brother probably beat up on him at the time <laughs> when, when he was, you know, when we were growing up. So he probably got tough that way. Yeah. Well, me having been the oldest brother in a family of five, uh, I had the advantage, I guess, uh, of being on that end of things as opposed to yeah. being number three, four, or five in line, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, what, what's he have to say about the, this year's Wildcat team? You know, he says uh, they're they're very improved. Um, you know, as their record shows, you know, they they got two wins against you know San Diego State, and North Dakota State. Those are two you know good programs. And so you said they got a, a very improved team and, um, you know, coach fish has done a good job for them, you know, bringing guys in to play, you know, as well as you know, promoting the program. So, yeah, I mean, he's having a good time down there and, and yeah, their team's looking better, but you know, we're looking good too. And I think it's going to be a good matchup. Yeah, for sure. We're looking forward. And the first conference game, I mean, you were in the Big Ten for a while. You just, you know how important that first conference game is. It really does set the tone for the rest of the season, doesn't it? Yeah. You know, you, you want to get off onto the good foot 
uh, of things, get your confidence rolling, get the team rolling. So, yeah, it's a big game for both programs. Uh, and Arizona recruited you coming out of high school, I assume? Yeah, you know, two two coaching staffs ago. Yeah, there uh, was recruited out of high school. You know, went down there for a visit. Kind of wasn't wasn't my thing at the time. So, but yeah, Arizona recruited me in high school. You ended up going to Purdue. What was the the reason to head back to the Midwest? Yeah, so the head coach and quarterback coach at Purdue both played quarterback in the NFL, mm-hmm. and you know I thought. If, that's where I want to go. That uh, it would be a good thing to learn from two people that have done it at the highest level. And you know, they recruited me really hard. And I thought it was a good fit. I wanted to, you know, play in a good conference like the Big Ten, good academic institution. So, you know, the I thought it was a good fit for me. And you know, I really enjoyed my time there. I don't regret going there at all. Yeah, West Lafayette's a great, great town and, and mm-hmm. produced that great tradition at the quarterback position in particular. Yeah, no doubt. Yeah, they've had some tremendous players. You know, Bob Greasy, Drew Brees. I mean, just a few to name uh, a long yeah. list. There could, could quarterbacks back there, right? Yep. yep. Jim Everett, Len Dawson. Yep. There you go. Al Orton. Yeah. So now you're back on the West Coast. Um, you, you did go through a few winters back there, and so I'm I'm sure the uh, the weather's a little bit more favorable back here, right? Yeah. Don't miss that part of it at all. <laughs> yeah, don't miss. It's nice to get out here and, and just throw the ball, and it's sunny every day. There's no rain, no wind. You can just go out here and play. You don't have to worry about any of that. I think you were saying earlier that, like, like in the Big Ten, like the first three games, you got a little bit of humidity. It's warm, like we saw at Notre Dame. And then you got, like, yep. two or three really nice fall Saturdays, and then here comes the snow and the cold, right? Yeah, then it gets cold. I mean, you're playing a couple of good weather games a year. And then, <laughs> I mean, I don't mind playing in, in the heat. You know, I'm used to that heat and yeah. humidity. That's not a big deal for me. But then once it – and then you'll get a rain game somewhere in there too. It's going to rain eventually. And then, you know, you're getting cold. You get a practice. So it's, you know, 35 degrees outside. And, <laughs> yeah, it's just – not the most enjoyable thing. Yeah. yeah, yeah. There's better. There's better playing conditions for sure. Yeah. Hey, so you had you had started at Notre Dame last year when you were at Purdue, and then of course you started uh, Saturday for the Bears against Notre Dame. And I asked Justin Wilcox this question to start off the podcast: At any moment during either one of those games, did you kind of look around and say, you know, wow, th- this is Notre Dame, and, t- and take in some of the atmosphere? Um, not when I'm playing on the field. I mean, okay. you notice the crowd and the crowd's really loud and, you know, you know, the first drive, you, you know, you get a little jitters, yeah. but, you know, after you settle in pretty quick and, but, you know, I, you know, I was on the, the defense was on the field. I think it was a media timeout and they were showing, um, you know, Dick Vitale and, and yeah. Manti Teo. And I was like, oh, that's pretty cool. You know, but yeah, it was a you know, great venue, cool place to play. That was a cool place to play. I know those of us that, that didn't have to play in the game appreciated the atmosphere. I mean, it really was a special place, and and I'm glad that Cal was able to work out uh, an opportunity to play at Notre Dame. It's a one-time, it's a one-off, so we won't get that opportunity again, but it was fun to go back there and, and check it out, no question about it. Uh, your thoughts about that game? Uh, you, you you ran the ball. You, when we talked in fall camp, um, you were saying, hey, I'm a little bit more athletic than everybody thinks I am. And sure enough, you had like three explosion plays with your legs. Uh, a couple of times you got out of traffic and, and, and made some big plays with the legs. Uh, do we expect to see more of that uh, down the road? Um, you know, I'm just going to do 
you know, what I have to do to move the chains. If that means I got to run, then I'll run. But I don't think there's going to be, a, you know, any quarterback design runs or any, any of that stuff, just kind of improvising. I feel like I've always been pretty decent at that. And, you know, the, the sack yards kind of knock your rushing yards down, which is probably why, you know, people looked at my stats from Purdue. Like, oh, you probably had like 60 rushing yards or something. So they're like, oh, you know, this guy can't run. And so, you know, I've kind of been labeled as that and which is okay. I don't mind. I don't care. You know, I'm just going to go out and play. And yeah, you know, I think I'm a little bit more athletic than some people will give me credit for. Well, you look pretty athletic on a number of those plays. So uh, we'll look forward to, uh, to some more of that down the road. Tell us about the Hail Mary. Of course, the visiting team is not going to get a Hail Mary in Notre Dame, I suppose, based on a number of things, just, just because of the religious factor there, right? But, I mean, that ended up being really close. What, what's the – as a quarterback, you, you got flushed out, so now you're out of the pocket, which gives the receivers a little bit more time to get down to the end zone. T- take us through that and what – you're trying to do and what you hope the receivers are trying to do at the other end. Yeah. You know, anytime you got a Hail Mary, you kind of, you know, as a quarterback, you're going to have to buy some time back there and allow the guys to run all the way. I think we were on like the 40 yard line or something, somewhere around there. You got to allow them to get all the way down there. And then at that point uh, you just got to throw it into the middle of the end zone. Can't, you know, you don't want to throw it short. You don't want to throw it deep, throw it in the middle and, and then you're, you know, that's why they call it Hail Mary. You're just you're praying one of your guys goes up there and gets it. And, you know, we were, we were close. And I think we had a good plan on our Hail Mary going in. And, um, yeah, we were really close. Yeah, I think Maven kind of kind of stripped it away from one of the Notre Dame players, bobbled around. And then I think it was uh, was it Jeremiah uh, that was at the bottom of the pile. And he got his hand on the ball a couple of times. And, I mean, he's twisting and turning. And so you need a little extra stick, him, I guess as much as anything else on your gloves to, to haul that thing. But, I mean, it was that darn close. And I don't yeah. think there's any question you guys would have gone for two. Go for the win, right? Yeah, that was the plan was um, to go for two if we had, had uh, scored on that drive, just to, you know, get in, get out of there. And uh, I think we had a good two-point play that, that we really liked going into the game. So, yeah, it would, it would have been really exciting. Yeah, no so, question about it. So now you got to bounce back mentally as much as anything else, right? That, that was a tough one to lose based on a number of things that happened in the game. How do you bounce back? And as a captain, like you are, how do you get your teammates to follow your lead this week? Yeah, you, know, you get sure it sucked after the game and, you know, we had a long plane ride home, but, you know, you just got to reset really. That, that game's over. We can't do anything about it now. We can't go back and redo plays. You don't get any redos, can't time travel. So now it's just, Hey, put it in the past, and we got to focus on on the team we're playing this week. And you know, you're going to go in and prepare like you do every week, staying late, watching film, and you know, come to practice with the mentality. And I think that's a big thing is you know, getting guys going in practice. So, and I think we do a good job of that. And I think we did a really good job of not letting the environment affect us. So I think we have a, a good mentally tough team where, and we've showed you know mental toughness where in the first game. Yep. You know, things weren't going well on offense. We just battled through. Second game, you know, defense mentally tough in the end, being able to close out the game. So I think uh, we got good guys in that sense, and they'll put this game past us. And, you know, we're, we're focused already. We've got a good head start. And 
um, going into our big practice here on Tuesday. So we got a good, you know, we'll have a good plan going into the game and guys are going to be prepared. Let's uh, let's go back a few years. At what point in your athletic career did you decide that you wanted to be a quarterback as opposed to another sport or another position in football? Yeah, you know, I was always really intrigued with the quarterback position as a young kid. That's kind of, you know, the first position you think about when you think of football. And growing up, played flag football, was never the quarterback, you know, always played receiver, defense back, my first year tackle football, played, you know, every every position as a sixth grade kid. And then at the end of the year, got to play a little bit of quarterback because our quarterback had gotten hurt. And I was like, hey, I, you know, I really like this. And then kind of from there on out, seventh grade, kind of that's that's what I wanted to do, play quarterback. And, you know, I played a little little defense here and there, but you know, quarterback was always the main thing. Played played basketball. I really liked basketball. But kind of when I got to high school, I realized and not a lot of not a lot of six three, six four big guys, you know, <laughs> going very far in basketball. So, you know, a lot of a lot of six three, six four quarterbacks though. So um, yeah, really, really fell in love with position, really fell in love with football. And what do you like about that position the most? What, what is it about that position that just you, you had to gravitate to and you like so much? Uh, you know, at first it might've just been, you know, the fact that it's so unique in that, you know, there's only one quarterback and there's only one guy that gets to throw the ball forward. <laughs> and I think it started as that, but then, you know, the sense evolved to, you know, the game is in your hands and there's so much strategy involved in quarterback. There's so much, um, you know, mental preparation that goes into, into playing quarterback as far as, you know, the X's and O's, what we want to do on this play, what are we going to do versus this coverage? What's the situation? Um, yeah, and just all that stuff. It, it's really awesome. You know, it's, that's why, you know, they say there's, there's no other position like it in sports. They also, yeah, yeah, the most important, maybe the hardest as well, yeah. because you have to do the physical and the mental and, and you have to know what everybody else is supposed to do as well. Now, I mean, the left guard doesn't necessarily know what the, the Z receiver is doing on a given play, but but you better yeah. know what both of them are doing, right? Yeah, yeah no doubt. Yeah, you got to know what all 11 guys are doing. And and you're the guy where if someone doesn't know what to do or hey, they're having you know some mental or they didn't hear it, you got to be able to tell them what to do and you got to be able to speak their language. And that, yeah, I love all that stuff. Yeah. What uh, or any quarterbacks uh, you tried to pattern yourself after? Uh, I wouldn't say that I, you know, I look at one quarterback and say I want to be just like them, but I think you can learn something from watching any quarterback. Mm. You know, what do they do well? What, what do they not do well? Um, what do you want to take from their game? But yeah, you know, obviously Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady have been two guys, you know, in my lifetime that ever since I really started watching NFL football, they've been playing quarterback. So naturally watching those guys. And then, um, you know, some of the new guys like, you know, Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen. And, you know, sometimes you look at those guys and say, wow, you know, they, they can do, you know, throw a sidearm play, but Hey, maybe that's not my game. You know, maybe I shouldn't do that, but yeah, you know, they're fun to watch. And I think, you know, I just like watching football and, whatever I can get from, from anyone will help me. That's always good to do. Final question. Uh, what do friends and the family uh, wear to the game that are coming to the game this week and who do they root for this week? 
Oh, I don't know. It'll be interesting. I, I, I'm sure they'll have some sort of, you know, Cal shirt, Arizona hat or something. <laughs> I have no idea. Split jersey, split jersey you know, maybe split a jersey blue. or yeah. something. Half of them wearing one thing, half of them wearing another. Who knows? <laughs> well, you're more than likely going to be the one getting the most quarterback snaps this week. So hopefully, and it's a yeah. home game for you. And it's so a home hopefully, game. right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but yeah, it'll be it'll be a good experience, you know. Be able to, you know, just take a picture with my brother. Yeah. You know, we're both wearing college uniforms on the same field. It'll be cool. Well, I guess my wish would be is that your brother does get a chance to play in the game, but that you've already thrown for about four or five touchdown passes, and he's playing in mop up duty. That would be good. <laughs> yeah, no, it'd be good. Yeah, it'd be good uh, to see him out there and. Uh, you know, he's a tough kid and, you know, he, I think he's, he's done a lot for that program and uh, it'd be good to see him get in a little bit. Well, we look forward to watching you play this week, a homecoming game, the bears against the wildcats, Jack, I appreciate your time. I know you'll probably go straight to practice. Then after that, it'll probably be a couple hours of film study. You'll be busy the rest of the week. We look forward to seeing you on Saturday. Yeah. Thank you. You betcha. Jack Plummer, quarterback for the Bears as they take on the Wildcats beginning at 2.30. The Bud Light Tailgate Show begins at 1.30 on the Cal Radio Network. Joining us now is a longtime play-by-play voice of the Arizona Wildcats. Brian Jeffries has been doing this for a long time. I don't know that we need to say how many years. It's not quite as many as Joe Starkey, but it's quite some time, and you've always been a good friend to me, and uh, just a wonderful broadcaster as I get a chance to listen to your games traveling here and there. So we appreciate you taking the time for being with us today and look forward to seeing you on Saturday and what shapes up to be a rather interesting game as have quite frankly, most of the last eight or 10 games between these two teams, this has been quite a series. The Wildcats have won the last six in the series, including last year's uh, COVID game. That's what they call it. A cow, the COVID game, but for Arizona last year, a huge win for Jed Fish and his program got their first win. What what are your memories of that game last year in Tucson? 10-3, Wildcats the winner. Yeah. Well, Todd, I remember it was just a, a dogfight uh, between two teams that uh, neither of them had a whole lot going that day. And it was like, can somebody please score a touchdown here? <laughs> and uh, Arizona finally got that one late in the ballgame to win. And and the Wildcats celebrated like you might expect a team celebrating because uh, most of those guys, a lot of those guys had never won a game before in a college uniform. And so it was a huge day and, and Jed Fish wanted them to celebrate, even though it was, you know, that time of the season where I think everybody realized that it, there wasn't going to be a whole lot of success uh, to win one, to win it at home, just had that great feeling and even though they didn't win one after that, uh, you just got you got the impression that that made their season somewhat that they could leave and say, hey, we didn't go over. We actually got a win here and something to build on. And a win in the Pac-12 conference, which makes it even you know, more important. But the other thing I noticed last year with Coach Fish, his first year last year, did a, a terrific job. Arizona was in a lot of games. I mean, they, they lost some close games, so the record could have been even better than it was. And as I look at this year's team with the influx of a whopping 50 new players, second only to Arizona State in our league, that they have 51 new players. This is a different team than a year ago. Defensively, much better. And offensively, just has the ability to score points with uh, Jay DeLauren, who was the Pac-12 offensive player of the freshman offensive player of the year last year. 
Inflex at the receiving core, experienced offensive line. What have you seen as the difference this year with Arizona? Well, certainly, Todd, I think the the influx of new talent has been huge. Not only an outstanding recruiting class, uh, ranked uh, you know first or second in the league, depending on how you look at it, uh, and then hitting the transfer portal. And Jed Fish is very much a transfer portal guy. I mean, they are keeping a close eye on that almost 24-7. So you have a, you know, a, a transfer at quarterback. You have your best receiver as a transfer, Jacob Cowing out of UTEP. Uh, arguably their best defensive player, at least best new defensive player, Hunter Eccles, transferred from USC. And I could go down the line, and then you add the freshman, uh, T-Mac McMillan uh, at wide receiver, another Servite kid. So all these new faces and this new talent, it was definitely an upgrade. Uh, so far, they have all paid dividends to, to some point and probably will do so much more. Uh, in, in his first year, and Jed called it year zero, it was just a matter of changing the culture in the program. And they were able to do that. And, and like you said, they were in 10 of their 12 games last year. In the second half, late third quarter, you could make the argument that if things went their way, they could have won some more games. It didn't happen. But uh, I think it kind of set the stage for this season now. And their, their mantra this win, they've got banners up outside the practice field that says expect to win. And so they've gone from last year where they just wanted to start the building process now to the place where they want the players to have the confidence that they can go out to win. But Jed has made it very clear that they've got a long ways to go. And he still uses those phrases, we're, we're building this, we're building this. And so I don't think he wants people to get carried away with the fact that they're two and one right now. And all of a sudden, everything's fine. He knows that it's going to get tougher as the season goes on when you get to conference play. But but they're on their way up, and I think that's the important thing. And you've got a good coaching staff, and that influx of new talent has made a huge difference. What has been the reception in Tucson, uh, first of all, to Jed when he came in last year, and then seeing how well they played but didn't win? And now this year, huge opening night win against San Diego State. I, I thought that was a big win not only for his program but for the conference as well because San Diego State, quite frankly – uh, has had a pretty good record against a Pac-12 conference over the years in both football and in basketball. And who knows at some point in time, they might be a member of this conference, but that's a topic for a little later time. Um, but that win had to be huge. You know, Mississippi State, SEC, they scored a lot of points, but the Cats are in that game until the very end. And then to come back last week and, and get a win entering conference play, I think has to be huge for them. Well, I think so. And, you know, the one thing that they they keep preaching and that's consistency, trusting one another, a lot of the things coaches say, but, you know, Jed really, the, the belief system is really big for him. And right now these guys are believing in one another. And I mentioned how, you know, 10 of the 12 games last year, they were in all of all of them, but one of them, one of the two that they were not was the San Diego state game last yeah. year. They really got their, their helmets handed to them. So yeah, to go on the, the road, uh, opening a brand new stadium in San Diego and to play that well and to beat that program by that margin, it certainly got them off to a good start. They didn't play well against Mississippi State. Take nothing away from the Bulldogs. That's a that's a good. It's not a great, but it's a good SEC team. And then to beat North Dakota State, uh, you know, the perennial FCS champion. I think uh, you met a lot. And again, that was a tight game, and the guys came away from that. But in terms of how Jed has been viewed. When he got hired, he was a relative unknown yeah. uh, because he'd been an NFL assistant for the most part of his career, also in college and had been at, uh, at UCLA, et cetera. 
but he has incredible energy. And I think the community saw that right away. And so the belief in him uh, started last season, even with the one and 11 record, people thought that, okay, I think this guy is on the right track. And now this year they've seen a definite step up. And so, you know, Arizona's had the largest uh, attendance increase in the Pac-12 so far this season. And the reason is that the fans believe he might have something going here. And as long as they're patient and understand that it's not going to happen overnight, uh, I think there's good things to come. Well, the quarterback position was totally in flux last year when we played you. Will Plummer, whose brother Jack will be our starting quarterback on Saturday. Uh, in that game, he got hurt. He had off-season surgery. We've talked to Jack about that a number of times. A very competitive guy. But I think there has obviously been an upgrade in the talent level in that quarterback room. And you look at Jaden coming in. This guy, uh, you know, originally was signed by uh, Washington State, freshman of the year offensively. Uh, Mike Leach was the guy who initially recruited, or uh, not Mike Leach, but uh, Rolovich recruited him from Hawaii. So, so, so a couple of weeks ago, that had to be a, a little bit of an interesting dynamic. But he is a dynamic player. Now he can be really good. He can make some mistakes, like Mississippi State, a couple of picks, but he can make plays with his legs. How, how has he helped transform this offense into a very scary unit? Well, I think number one, just his experience, Todd, having a couple of years under his belt at Washington State, being a starter last year, uh, you could tell when he came in that he had he had major college experience behind him. And so he won the job in spring and there was no doubt about it. Uh, they have the, the quarterback room now is is full. Last year, it was not uh, like you said, they ended up with a walk on plane towards the end of the year uh, just because they'd run out of bodies. But uh, Jaden. Uh, has been, you know, a, a huge help. Uh, I'm looking at the last two games. Mississippi State, it's interesting because he had some opportunities to run the ball and he did not. Uh, he, he threw the ball and it wasn't always successful. And Jed talked to him about that. And then this past week, he rushed for 50-some yards, I think, against North Dakota State because if he didn't have anybody open downfield, he realized, okay, I, I can take off and run. So, Having that dimension, I think, certainly helps. Now, he is not going to be a Khalil Tate running quarterback, but his athleticism gives him that opportunity. So uh, he's just, he's, again, experience, excellent arm. Uh, now his ability to run, uh, he's made a big difference at that position. I mean, there's no question about that. And and the good news is, no, there's, there's backups behind him now. Noah Fafita, the true freshman out of Servite, uh, is their number two quarterback right now as a true freshman. Uh, Jordan McLeod, who played briefly last year before he got hurt, another transfer is there. Uh, Gunnar Cruz came back again, uh, transfer from Washington State. He started a game last year, uh, and then Will Plummer. So right there, you got five guys all of a sudden, and uh, hopefully injuries don't happen. But if they do, they've got a little more room to work with. Yeah, depth is always key, and now as you enter conference play, it becomes even more important. And this game is really important for both teams. They're both two and one, but that first conference game sets the tone for the rest of the season. And, and it's going to be an afternoon game, which I think a lot of people are excited about. We've played three afternoon games. This will be four, and we've got another afternoon game next week. So um, for the fans, it's a good opportunity because you can get to the game. You can tailgate. And in the case of the Wildcats, you can get home at night at a reasonable hour as opposed to getting home at three or four or five in the morning like we've done over the years past. Before we let you go, Brian, 
Just a, a quick preview, maybe what we can see from the Wildcats in basketball. Tommy Lloyd had a terrific first year, uh, did a tremendous job, uh, lost some players to the NBA, which is the case each and every year at Arizona, but he's recruited really well. And it will be the second conference game for both of the teams. Uh, it'll be a game in Tucson to uh, to uh, get the first road game in conference play for the Bears on December the 4th. Uh, give us a little uh, preview of what we can see from the Cats in basketball. Well, Todd, I think going into last year, a lot of people thought the Wildcats might be sneaky good. They didn't know because it was Tommy's first time as a head coach, but he had talent on the roster and they turned out to be really good. Uh, so I'm going to use the same phrase. They might be sneaky good this year. Uh, Kirk Carissa is back and he is probably the key guy there because he's the point guard. Uh, they did lose three to the NBA. Uh, but Tommy has gone out and recruited. He's gone to Europe again, and he's got a tremendous international conne uh, connection. And so you're going to see a couple more guys on the roster. He's got some height there. Um, I'm interested to see exactly, you know, what they do on the court. Um, it, it's hard to tell right now because they have so many new faces, but uh, just based on what Tommy was able to do with last year's roster and the fact that those guys loved playing his style and he has gone out and recruited guys now that fit his style. And so I, I can't see them being quite as good as last year, just based on the newness of their roster. But uh, just knowing Tommy for a year and seeing what he was able to do, I, you know, I'm not going to doubt anything that he turns out in terms of uh, being able to develop the team. And we'll see once, you know, that, that Cal game is early. Uh, everybody gets those December games. And so I think for Arizona, it's probably we won't know until mid-January exactly what he's got. But uh, uh, I just like I said, I trust that he's going to have another team that's going to make the NCAA tournament. Yeah, a little tie in between Tommy and Justin Wilcox, the football coach at Cal, in that one of uh, Justin Wilcox's best friends in the coaching community is Mark Few at Gonzaga. And of course, Tommy, for 20 years, was uh, Mark's right-hand man. So uh, both of those coaches know each other and speak very highly of each other. And um, so there's a little tie between the football and the basketball programs between the two schools. Yeah, Tommy and Justin are both small-town guys. Yeah. Tommy grew up in a small town in Washington, Justin, small town in Oregon. And I think, yeah, there's, there is always a tie between guys like that, especially, you know, from the same part of the country. And, and I, Tommy loves talking football. Uh, he'll talk baseball. Uh, I mean, I, I think coaches, you know, especially when they don't have to face each other, yes. I think become really good friends. I think you're exactly right on that count. No question about it. Hey, Brian, always good to talk to you. Thanks for taking the time today. We appreciate it. Safe travels up to Berkeley, and we'll see you for the game on Saturday afternoon. Glad to, Todd. Thanks. Good to see hey. you. Brian Jeffries, longtime, excellent voice of the Arizona Wildcats. Uh, that wraps it up for this week's podcast. A reminder of the game. We'll start at 2.30, a little after 2.30. We'll be on the air with the Bud Light Tailgate Show beginning at 1.30 from Memorial Stadium. Until then, I'm Todd McKim. Thanks for listening. And as always, go Bears. This has been Bear in Mind, the official podcast of Cal Athletics with your host, Todd McKim. The preceding has been a Learfield presentation of the California Golden Bears Sports Network.